Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's new religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. Is the Catholic Church softening its line on divorce? That's the often unspoken question on people's lips as Pope Francis drops hints that he wants divorced and remarried Catholics to be able to receive communion. Until now, they've been banned from doing so because Rome considers many of them to be technically living in adultery. Not a nice word, but used by Jesus himself in the Gospels to describe the divorced and remarried. Francis, however, seems to be challenging his own bishops, writing and saying things that suggest that divorced and remarried people, after consulting a priest, can receive the sacrament. Also, he suggested, off the cuff, that most people who think they're properly married actually aren't, and that lots of unmarried couples, i.e. living in sin, as we don't say nowadays, are really married. Confused? Even senior cardinals are scratching their heads. All this is a big deal because there are a billion Catholics in the world and millions of them are going to Mass while living in second marriages of which the Church doesn't approve. Right now, squabbling over the Pope's latest document on marriage means they can receive communion in some parishes, but not in others. One of those practicing Catholics is with me now. Christina O'Done, director of the Centre for Character and Values at the Legatum Institute. Her husband's first marriage ended in divorce. My other guest is Father Alexander Lucy Smith, a moral theologian who's also a parish priest who, like all parish priests, was taught to refuse communion to the divorce and remarried. Let me start by asking Christina about her situation. You're Italian. Did you know that, according to reports this week, you can receive communion in Rome, where the diocese follows Pope Francis' relaxed line, but not in Florence, where they say the rules haven't changed. Does that come as a surprise to you? Uh, no, it doesn't, because I can tell you of a church in Kensington where I am welcomed by the parish priest to take communion were I to do so, uh, where I wish to do so. And, uh, and down the road, another parish priest... Uh, absolutely has made it clear to me, Christina, I don't believe that uh, you are eligible for communion at all. And I go up to the altar rail and, uh, and ask for a blessing. And he sometimes gives me a wink and a smile of sympathy, complicity, but also true compassion because he knows that I am totally confused, totally bewildered by the messages that are coming out of Rome about my position. Am I wanted? Am I in? Or am I out? Do you think you should be in or out? I think it is very, very difficult to tell somebody in my position, i.e. somebody who picked up a broken man and gave him and his boys a um, loving yeah. presence yeah, in their absolutely, lives, yes. a maternal presence yes. in their life. Um, I think it is absolutely unchristian to say that our marriage, uh, which is very loving and which has provided a solace to both uh, boys from the previous marriage and to my husband, who I think was suicidal, when his marriage broke up and his wife left the nest. Yeah. I think it is uh, unchristian to say that ours is not a real marriage. But you want to follow the rules, although, of course, 
you didn't actually follow the rules by marrying him, but nonetheless you do want to follow the rules. And for a time, it seemed as if the Pope was going to push for a relatively formal relaxation of the pastoral rules, which would have allowed you to receive communion with a clear conscience. But he called a synod of bishops, and that's not the answer he got. Now let me ask Father Alexander what happened at this very quarrelsome synod, but without getting into too much detail, just as a guide to, re to, to listeners. Well, what happened is that the Pope tried to bring through a reform that those who were in a situation like Christina's could receive Holy Communion, having gone through some sort of process with, of discernment with a confessor. And this reform didn't make it through the Synod, essentially. The assembled bishops have a vote, and it didn't get the two-thirds majority required. And so it, it, it failed. But then something was more or less snuck in the back door, or so it seems, through the document that came out at the end of the Synod, which was in one of the footnotes, this uh, famous footnote, which let's not get into my news, yes, I know, yes. but it seems to offer a tiny opening of the door. And of course, a also... A footnote which the Pope later claimed he not couldn't to remember, remember yeah. writing I mean, or it's reading. A, a tiny sort of chink. So it's the usual fudge... That it's sort of, you know, don't ask, don't tell, so to speak. In other words, that maybe some people somewhere, etc., as long as it doesn't create a scandal in the church and so on and so forth. One of the things that exists in Italy, where you mentioned what happens in Florence and Rome, it happens in every parish in Italy, is that if you go to a priest and you confess your sins and say, Father, I'm etc., etc., in a certain situation, may I go to Holy Communion? Some priests will say, Yes, you can. And of course, other priests will say, No, 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 you can't. And Therefore, there tends to arise this, what we'd call in Italian, la cultura di, del permesso, the culture of permission. You shop around till you find a priest who will give you permission to go to Holy Communion. And that's, that's always happened. And it's not just this, the divorced thing. It's also other people who are living in situations that might cause them to be questioned as they're standing as gay countries. people, for example. That would be the case. Let's say if you're living with somebody of the same sex, can you go to Holy Communion? Well, the answer is, if you're living as brother and brother, yes. But if you're living as brother and brother, but not all the time, or trying to live as brother and brother, etc., can you go to Holy Communion? Whether you get a, a sympathetic priest or not, depends, well, you just have to look around for that priest. And of course, if you are sympathetic to certain cases, you'll find your confessional in Rome will have a long queue outside it because people will be wanting to come to you for permission. Also, incidentally, in Rome, as you know this, Christina, I believe, if you go to one of the big churches in Rome, you confess certain sins, you get a rocket through the grill. And those sort of people don't have very long queues. And in fact, they get very bad reputations. When I was a seminarian in Rome, we all knew, don't go to the ex-priest in such and such a basilica because he's got a thing about X, Y and Z. And God forbid you should go to that priest because you'd, you'd, you know, you'd be traumatised. Christina, do you think this messiness is weakening the presence of the Catholic Church in, in the modern world? Well, I think that the present mess has certainly contributed to a kind of, a kind of ambiguity. But it was also there before when we look at uh, the whole case for annulment. I mean, the fact that when it was announced that I was going to get married to a divorced man, I had half of my priest friends, I was editor of the Catholic Herald, so I did count many priests among my friends, half of them uh, were advising me to go to them and seek an annulment and go through canon law and the whole very lengthy process. And half of them were saying, don't worry, I'll give you communion. So the ambiguity 
about divorce was there already. What the present Pope has done, unwittingly, unconsciously, I'm sure, is to aggravate the situation because he gave us hope. In the run-up to the Synod on the Family, there was no question about it. It was the, the equivalent of an ecclesiastical dog whistle. They said that they were going to review the, um, the position of divorced Catholics, of Catholics married to divorced spouses. So they definitely were testing the waters. And then, to our chagrin, the bishops voted against the Pope. And I think that what the bishops decided was so unpopular with the Pope himself that that footnote was slipped in. Does it make it any better? No. <laughs> Quite you, the you hear phrases like slipped in used rather a lot when it comes to the modus operandi of this particular mm -hmm. Pope. But Now, a lot of this may sound like rather complicated discussion of rules that only apply to Catholics. But I, I think it has relevance for wider society because the Catholic Church is arguably the largest and the oldest institution in the world. It is still actually growing. It's enormously influential. But one of the things about it was, as its name implies, that it's universal. Now that it's accommodating itself in a sort of patchwork way to Western serial monogamy, there's a growing feeling that it's heading down the route of Protestant denominations that have cut the hard edges of doctrines in order to, to cause less offence, but in the process have split and also shrunk. Now, Father, do you think there's a danger that the Catholic Church is going down the route of the Anglican Communion, RIP? You may remember there used to be such a thing. Yeah. Um, in a certain sense, yes, but in a certain sense, no, because I believe as a Catholic, as um, I'm sure Christina does as well, the Catholic Church is indefectible. It's got a guarantee from God it'll continue forever. What I do think we've got a, a big problem, though, in that um, the going out to the peripheries, as the Pope talks about, can lead to a peripherization of religion. We need centrality of truth, and we need all to be singing from the same hymn sheet. But the thing is much, much bigger than the case of Christina. Christina's case is a is sadly a common one. There are lots of ladies like Christina who've married divorced men. One of the things, of course, is there are even more people who are not married at all but are living with somebody who, with whom they've got children because marriage has gone out of fashion. Now, as a parish priest, my job is largely to go around persuading people to get married. But the, but the Pope yeah. suggested recently that they were, in fact, married and that they shouldn't worry about it. Oh, I'm not sure if he would say they shouldn't worry about it, but um, I know what he's saying. He did say I they mean, were, in fact, married. And yeah. He also said that countless yeah. people around the world, countless millions of people mm. around the world, weren't actually married, even though they yes. thought they were. And I think he may have been including non-Catholics in yes, that as well. I know, what do you make I of that? Um, I, what I make in that of that is the fact that the Pope recognises that the matrimonial situation of humanity is a terrible, terrible mess. And... We are which, which he is not clearing up. That's true. There's never been a society without marriage. We're now looking at a society in a few generations, a society where marriages doesn't exist. And what sort of society will that be? Where you know the darkest moment before the dawn. Marriage has got to revive, otherwise humanity doesn't have a future. I know that sounds a bit apocalyptic, but it seems to be true. You know, you've got to have marriage. You can't just have people wandering around, having children here, there and everywhere, and not having stable, lifelong relationships, which is what marriage is. Okay, now, last, last question, if ooh. I may. Nobody saw the intensity of this row coming. Nobody 
imagine that it would divide cardinals and dioceses in Greece and faithful to the extent that it has. I have been shocked to hear what one cardinal says about another cardinal and what cardinals say about the Pope. Christina, what do you think this has done to the reputation of Pope Francis? I think it has unarguably dented it. But let's remember that what the outside world is viewing is the conflict, the perennial conflict between authority and inclusiveness. So in order to include people like me into the fold, the Pope is prepared to cast some ambiguous shadows over the concept of authority. But that's not how you want to be included into the fold, is no, it? and this is the problem, that in smudging those lines, he has actually pushed us away because what we are attracted to is the clarity, the certainty that marriage is sacrosanct, that the family is sacrosanct. And yes, we want to be recognized as having a family, but we don't want it to be blurred. Father? I think it's dented the authority of the church. I don't think it's dented the authority of the Pope or the reputation of the Pope. I think the Pope is more popular than ever, largely because he takes up this position as being a sort of an anti-institutional Pope, an outsider Pope. And he's sort of fighting against the dogmatists and those, as he says, who throw stones. That's what he was talking about. He's a typical Jesuit. He's a very anti-clerical Pope. That's a bit of a, a contradiction, but that's what he is. Christina Rodone, Father Alexander Lucy Smith, thank you very much. And don't forget, Holy Smoke is The Spectator's new religion podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast, but don't miss it. <laughs>